0: Welcome to the Pantheon Plus Rewind. Hey everybody, Minus here and welcome to episode 33 of The Rewind. This is a show where every week we cover various topics about Pantheon Rise of the Fallen as we sort of look through not only what the official developers are talking about through their Twitter or through various newsletters or whatever information we can find a way to get, Um, but we also dig into the community. We look at uh, what they're talking about on the forums, Reddit, um, all kinds of Facebook. I mean, we, we really try to dig into the community and figure out what's going on. What are we talking about? What as a community? Cause we, we include ourselves in that community. What are we talking about? What are we passionate about? And how are we reacting to the news? And that's what the, uh, Pantheon plus rewind here is all about. So, uh, without, without further ado, I do this show every week with my co-host, who is my right-hand man, the one who keeps me sometimes out of trouble. But then as I saw last week, <laughs> Actually, sometimes it gets me in trouble. The uh, the one everybody likes on the rewind, Theric. Um, how are you doing, Theric? How has your week been? Um, what's going on over
1: there? It's uh, it's good, man. I'm glad to hear that. Sometimes I keep you out of trouble, but uh, I tried to do both. I try to keep it in balance. Uh, but no, I'm I'm doing really well, actually. Um, I'll tell you a funny story about this week. We have a um, we have a dog. He is a miniature Australian Shepherd. His name is Reno. And, um, he had to go to the vet, uh, last weekend for like a dental cleaning, like not a big deal, but they have to put him under. And when they did that, they discovered he had a couple, uh, cracked teeth that needed to get pulled. So they went ahead and did. And, and it's not, you know, it's not a big deal. He was fine. He came out of it. No problem. But what it means is he can't have like hard toys to chew on. He can't have like crunchy stuff to eat or, and I can't like play with him like tug of war and that kind of stuff. So. Spent a week of trying to creatively find ways to entertain a dog. <laughs> and if you know anything about Australian shepherds, they're like, they're super smart. And he knows that we feel bad for him, right? He's leveraging that pity uh, to get extra treats that he can have, right? So, so anything he can get his hands on and, and he just plants himself and he knows he can get nonstop scratches, you know, if he's sitting in the right spot because we're sympathetic to his situation, but... He's almost healed up. He'll be, uh, I think he gets his last meds tomorrow and then he can be back to gnawing away on his favorite bone soon enough. But uh, so (laughs) that's pretty much what my week's been is trying to keep a a dog that's way too intelligent for its own good uh, entertained. (laughs) That's
0: awesome. (laughs) That's great. That's actually, yeah, no man. uh, Happy to jump into another week with you here. I'm excited for some of the news we're going to cover. So without further ado, let's get to it because it's been a long week for me. This is going to be a long upcoming month for me. Um, mm-hmm. it's gonna get pretty crazy coming up pretty soon with my work. So yeah, yeah. it's gonna be miserable, so I'm gonna enjoy this moment.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely soak in the enjoyment of of the Pantheon talk because you need a little respite,
0: yep, all right. let's get going. Yeah. This week in Visionary realms news and notes. All right. So in this segment, we talk about uh, what VR is talking about. You know, we try to look into any roundtables, dev streams, newsletters, fun tweets that they send out, or even sometimes things that we find in Discord where they're kind of engaging and talking with the community openly. Um, This week, we have two things to discuss. And the first one is actually the producer's letter that was put out on the 19th um, from Ben Dean. So I wanted to go through like a little bit of pieces of that in my own words, sort of paraphrasing it. And Theric, of course, as always, please feel free to jump right in. Mm -hmm. So first, I wanted to once again congratulate Nafel. For those that don't know or haven't seen yet or didn't read this newsletter, uh, he is officially with the VR team. Um, Nafel will be, uh, labeled as an associate game designer focused on, you know, implementation of crafting systems is really what he's going to be doing within Pantheon. So he's going to be working very heavily with the other designers. I know he's going to be working pretty heavily with Convo, uh, who's awesome. Who's been around forever. Um, anyone who knows Nafel knows his passion for crafting and he has a ton of experience with these systems across many MMORPGs. But most importantly, I think the two MMORPGs that he has some um, testing experience, he helped in feedback phases in alpha and beta on, was uh, Star Wars Galaxy and Vanguard. And while I didn't play either of those games extensively, the one thing I always hear about them is that people constantly talk about their crafting systems, like constantly. So that's a good sign for me anyway. So congratulations, NFL. Uh, Good luck in designing these systems. The last thing I'll say about is is we've had some people in our um, Discord server say, hey, is Nafel still with Pantheon Plus? Um, we realize, Nafel and us, you know, obviously all realize if he's with VR, we don't want there to be any kind of confusion. You know, we're not official. Uh, Pantheon Plus is a fan-made community. Um, and we know that with him being there, he's going to have a lot to work on. So as this news came to pass, you know, obviously um, we do separate as... Partners in business, so to speak, if you want to call it that, Uh, but we'll never separate and being great friends. Um, And on top of that, you know, we've made a commitment to him to make sure that Pantheon Crafters lives on with on the Pantheon uh, Plus website. So, no, pretty soon, hopefully, um, we're hoping by the end of January, you'll see all the form implementation and all the posts from the old site up on Pantheon Plus. We're really working hard to make sure to keep that spirit alive and a lot of people who helped him work on that site. So, you know, no harm, no foul there. Do we miss Nafal uh, being part of our team? For sure. Um, But you know what? He's on to a bigger, more important thing right now. And we couldn't be happier for him. So,
1: yeah, I just say huge congrats to NFL. I, uh, when I first started following Pantheon and I was looking on the forums, his posts always stood out to me and I was always impressed by his posts. And, you know, I don't reach out to people directly like on Twitter or anything like that all that much because I just don't like, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to bother people but I felt like Nefel was one of those people that I I just needed to tell him like I really like your stuff I like your posts I think they're always insightful and they're really cool so I DM'd him on Twitter and that kind of thing and we started a, a sort of a you know a friendship just sort of a few comments here and there and then and then we we uh, got to know him further through uh, when he was on uh, Pantheon Plus U to talk crafting and it's been great knowing him. I feel like it's so cool that I know this guy who's now an employee of VR. So I just, I love that. And uh, just congrats, man, and all the best. And I can't wait to uh, continue to, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, hear what you do for the crafting. It's a, you, they couldn't have a better guy in there for the crafting stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, we will say though, um, I'm really good at annoying the devs, and hopefully getting exclusives <laughs> or, or or some info we can share. You know, in a very good way. So now we just have one more that we can really annoy well. So
1: yeah, yeah. help us with those uh,
0: <laughs> with those exclusives, right? So that's right. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and move forward into what Ben was talking about in this letter. Um, he did note that the developer streams are going to be slightly moved. Um, so from this point, they're going to take and afterwards, after they're both moved, they're actually going to keep the first week of every month date now. I don't know Mm -hmm. if you saw
1: that. Yeah, I did. That's kind of cool.
0: Yeah, so it's going to move. The December stream is going to, I'm sorry, this moves the November stream to December 3rd. And then the uh, December stream is going to be January 7th. And then from there on, it'll just be the beginning of every month. So we kind of miss a stream, but it's, you know, obviously that's how it's going to be. That's holiday, right? Yeah, Um, Yeah, yeah. So um, we got some info on what to expect on the next one. So Jared Polin, who's a senior concept artist, will be on the show to show off some of his like work-in-progress art. And they're hinting at us seeing some new creatures that are going to be in the world of Terminus. That's always exciting. But they mm-hmm. tossed a little line in the end there that we're going to see some Pantheon gameplay as well. So I'm pretty excited for that. I don't know what you picked yeah. up or what your thoughts are.
1: Uh, yeah, no, I Jared's, um, Jared's sort of like, in terms of the, 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 the devs that I uh, am the most familiar with, after uh, Jan Gerhardt is, is Jared because I they work so closely together and I've done videos where I've used so many of his um, quotes and his concept art to sort of show things right and he's so detailed in that stuff. Like I remember the Halfling video um, or the Halfling uh, Wilds End video that I did. I was looking at little details of his concept art. So whenever Jared comes on and they uh, they're going to talk some uh, detail, you know you know that's what you're going to get. I, I love that that stuff that he brings to the table. So looking forward to it. Yeah, it should be a good one.
0: Um, from there, Ben got into sort of a state of the game and their work on what they're calling their evaluation build. So this build is not only to help like achieve their mission they set forth with Project Fairthow in general, but it's a way to give them a way to present the core concepts and spirits of the game. And they even gave a date. I don't know if you saw that. Mm-hmm. I did, Some, yeah. They never give dates. Like If anyone yeah. is just starting to follow Pantheon, uh, if you've been following Pantheon, you know that. They said the Evaluation Build has a goal set of being finalized January 2021. Like that is Less
1: than two months away. <laughs>
0: that is a huge statement. Um, so I, obviously, this Evaluation Build is going to be important for business and investment side to bring Pantheon to life. That's a huge part of it. So I'm really mm-hmm. excited to see uh, where they're able to complete it, You know what they're going to put into that uh, to consider that state finalized. And they stated over the next two producers' letters, we're going to get more updates on the status of this build. You know, I don't want to get crazy with this, but they do slightly talk about alpha as of late. there has been a that's a what little I was going to say too. I,
1: yeah, I yeah. was going to mention that they, they used the a word quite a bit in this one, and the good a word. <laughs> they said alpha. You know, is this evaluation build is what is what's going to lead to alpha? That's uh, that's crazy.
0: Yeah, and to think that they're saying this evaluation is going to be finalized, like this is like. I know some people may hear this, like, why is that a big deal? VR doesn't do this. This is yeah. very out of character to say, here's our goal, right? Like a date goal. That's mm-hmm. a really big deal. I think this is, this could be something really big. I don't want to get yeah. anyone's hopes up. I don't want to say alpha is coming, but it feels very close if this is wow. what they're saying. So
1: <laughs> they don't, yeah, they don't, they don't say it lightly. They don't, they don't make these kind of statements like, if they could, if they could have by now, they would have, right. People hound them enough and they get pressured enough to give dates and they never do. So this means something.
0: Big deal. And then finally in the letter, we got into the PA five concept itself and, you know, Ben just kind of went into some great data. I said it was good. Uh, They gained a lot from the testers in the October sessions and it's helped them a lot with their overall NPC combat procedures and actions They nailed down a lot of reported bugs, NPC movement, combat, um, you know, obviously thanks to the reports submitted by the testers. So good job, testers. Um, Mm -hmm. Finally, Ben announced that the next play session will be December 5th and 6th, and their focus on this test is class feedback and how they play. That's exciting. I think testers are going to enjoy that greatly. Uh, The featured classes will be the same that we'd seen in the previous PA5 session, Dire Lord, Shaman, Wizard, and Rogue. Now, the only thing I was a little uh, caught off guard here is I was expecting some Enchanters uh, mentioned there um, Mm -hmm. because in that developer roundtable, Kyle was like, yeah, it's ready. Right. It's in there.
1: (laughs) Um, So, Derek,
0: do you think we're going to see that Enchanter and they're just not ready to talk about it or
1: any thoughts or what
0: do you think
1: i i I, my optimistic person inside me says yes says they might sneak it in as like a surprise for christmas like an early christmas present (laughs) but then again you know don't get your hopes up they didn't say that Uh, that's i don't know i don't know hard to say i would like to see because it would make sense with what they've said before about bringing classes online you know uh over the course of the pa sessions that are going to be happening so it kind of fits in with what they've said. Um, I think there there will be some disappointment if we do just see the same four classes. Not disappointment, maybe, but more like, you know, like, <laughs> hmm, you know, oh, well, sort of thing. <laughs> I'd love to see a new class, in there just to, to, to play around with it. But uh, if they do put a new class, and the problem is everybody's going to play that class, <laughs> there'll be no rogues, dire lords, shaman, or wizards running around. It would just be all whatever the new class is, if that's enchanter or what. But uh, uh, yeah. hopefully, hopefully, yeah.
0: What do you think of the overall producer's letter?
1: I liked it. I liked that it's, uh, it came, you know, not uh, too far off the last producer's letter. I like that, um, like you said, they gave some dates. Um, it was uh, short and sweet to, to the point. It wasn't long and rambling. There was there was quick, uh, yeah, the information was concise. Um, I think we're moving forward. It like feels like we're moving forward. So okay. that's the vibe I got.
0: Yeah, it definitely does. You know, one of the biggest things we've been talking about is how we're really moving faster with development now, so everything's kind of mm. playing into that a little bit, right?
1: Yeah, and everybody knows that that we're uh, everybody knows we're in pre-alpha testing from from the video that we that we showed. So, I uh, things are looking good. <laughs> my plans are uh, my plans for early December are uh, shaping up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, let's go from the serious topic of that letter to maybe the least serious community debate that has ever been presented on Twitter: the community <laughs> debate sometimes Twitter gives us a gem and there's stuff we can really dig into and it's a lot of fun and it's deep. And then sometimes they give us a gem that I don't understand how they did it. Um, And this might be one of those. So the community debate is, who wins in a fight? A snake that kicks or a chicken? (laughs) (laughs) I just have to imagine when Kilson was writing that, that he was laughing at himself while he's posting it. Yeah, so, yeah, so as we always do, we're going to read through some of the comments here. Um, and you know don't take this any more serious than you need to. Um, so Breakout, uh, who's uh, been featured a few times on here, says, Neither. Snake is dead because it has the audacity to come in the yard where my kids play. Chicken is dead because those same kids need to eat. Long story short, my kids win. Very interesting <laughs> take. The combat actually occurs in Breakout's yard. I don't know where this chicken come from. Is he on a farm? Like where did this chicken just wander into his yard?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, the snake is more concerning and it's in his yard, you know, like uh, <laughs> what kind of place is he living where snakes are wandering around? Well, snakes I love are
0: all over the place up North, but like just, a, there's many people who've had a snake in their yard or garden. <laughs> Where the heck have you ever seen a random chicken show up in someone's yard? Yeah, that's, that's fair. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I can't say that I've had a random chicken in my yard ever, but, this, you know, breakouts, you know, his, he's dad of the year here. His kids are, yeah. his kids are cleaning up with this stuff, so yeah. good for him.
0: Moving on to Nathan, uh, Nathan Napalm. He said the snake kick is supernatural, and to get the full set of their boot drop, you'd have to get it twice with a very low drop rate. So the chicken can try to farm the snake, but the snake will prevail. It's, it's Nathan's a, a master
1: of the snake kick. Yeah. He's done yeah. it in his videos with those puppets, man. That snake kick that he does is, is pretty yeah. uh, pretty strong.
0: Kick of the snake, yep. Um, a Pity <laughs> says, they always reference a one-legged man in an arse kicking contest as being at a disadvantage. But even <laughs> so, I think a no-legged snake in a chicken eating contest still prevails. The chicken may seem to win, but when the monk snake fiends death, but the flying kick will end it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: there's a lot going on there i'm trying to this, envision yeah. this scenario i can't even picture in my mind i got a one-legged man kicking i got chickens with no legs we like, need Nem- going
0: on, to like make a comic strip of this battle
1: like that's oh yeah exactly exactly right. basgrim jumped
0: it. in he said a kicking snake obviously a non-kicking snake could beat a chicken lol chickens can't really do anything but a kicking <laughs> snake even i'd be afraid to take one of those on um Pizazz says uh chicken would uh f <laughs> kicking snake in a heartbeat that thing would peck the living hell out of it peck its eyes out <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's a it chicken makes me fan of, oh
1: yeah, yeah yeah you know what i think he's like involved in like some sort of cockfighting arena or something like that it sounds like he's seen some real violent chickens in his lifetime yeah. like you know <laughs> going for the going for blood
0: i love nefel here nefel says it depends did the snake kick the chicken? Because we've all probably experienced what happens when you go around kicking chickens and the best response ever from Nathan Nabomb. Ooh, good point. My video game history tells me that kicking chickens ends poorly for the chicken kicker.
1: (laughs) That's like poetic. I love that. They're, they're both right. Uh, kicking chickens is definitely, uh, Got some video game history to it. But then again, so does kicking snakes. So mm. I don't know. The debate goes on.
0: Yeah. JJ says the chicken. I have learned that if you hit a chicken enough times, it will call for backup.
1: <laughs> We're all Zelda traumatized. <laughs> yep.
0: Kratuk says clearly the snake. It's been working on the hidden art of snake Fu, a secret martial arts form utilizing the mythical spirit legs of snakeborn. <laughs> Ooh. People are having fun. Maybe too For much sure. fun with this topic, but having fun. <laughs> so Nathaniel James says, all a chicken needs to do is taunt the snake into the road. We all know chickens love crossing them and <laughs> just keep it there until a cart or carriage runs it over. So I'm not, it's, well, then I kill the chicken. I eat the chicken circle of life, he says.
1: <laughs>
0: so what road is this snake chicken fight happening that a cart or carriage is coming and What year did this happen? <laughs>
1: Yeah. <laughs> this is like a, a Western town of some sort where this is going on. This is this like this a on the Oregon a trail. This is on yeah. the Oregon trail, Oregon trail. That's right. Exactly. Yeah.
0: If you eat the chicken after this, you're going to die of dysentery. That's what I'm pretty sure is going to happen.
1: So. Um, that's good.
0: Kath Clark says chicken would win. My mother had a scar on her face from an angry chicken that flew at her. Look wow. at their claws. Beware the dinosaur traits lurking under their fluffy feathers and innocent clucking at your peril
1: do uh, you mean they got real life experience yeah, to, they, to, uh, to testify to it you can't argue with that
0: no i was gonna say the same thing real life experience i mean that's rough um yeah. charles says chicken i've never seen a level one chicken
1: <laughs> level one chicken <laughs> i started
0: thinking about that like every mmo like i don't know if i've ever seen a chicken at level you always see level one snakes to kill bats that's snakes true. always it's true um, this one's uh she gaming. He put two. So first he put, you know, a picture and stuff. He said, don't chickens normally explode in video games. Boom. Chicken bomb wins. And then he actually <laughs> replied to his own thing. He goes, Oh wait, maybe that means it's a tie.
1: <laughs> chicken bombs. Eh, that sounds yeah, like ca- something you stuff into like a cannon and fire them off or something.
0: Yeah. Kamikaze chicken. Yeah. Um, blue dragon TV. The last one here, he says chicken because if video games have taught me anything, you don't attack chickens. Hashtag Zelda, hashtag, hashtag
1: Skyrim. Skyrim, yep. Yeah, no, that's it. You know, the chickens The chickens have the history with Zelda, and everybody knows that if you go around attacking chickens, they gang up and they come back and they get you. A lot of yeah. Nintendo games actually do that, so, yeah.
0: Yeah, and be honest, like, my take on this here, because this is really, really important. Like, this is going to go down in history Is one of the most important things I have a take on. Um, <laughs> you know, I've never seen snakes team up ever Hmm. snakes are always like solo creatures um chickens i mean i posted the video remember that little boy running around screaming and the chickens like there's like a hundred chickens chasing him and he's (laughs) screaming with a bag of chicken feed i mean that's terrifying um one chicken alone you know maybe that's not a huge issue um but i've never seen snakes team up they they seem to Hmm. be kind of solo independent creatures and i gotta think the chicken's getting back up
1: That's an interesting take. It's an interesting take because you you might be right. Okay, I'm going to try and convince you why you're wrong, though. I'm going to tell you why the snake kick wins here. We're going to do it arena style. So I'm going to give you my top five pop culture examples of the fiercest snakes and chickens you can find, right? So we're going to put them in the arena and you tell me which one you think would win. Okay, so snakes. Number one got solid snake from metal gear okay so these are not just necessarily snakes, actual mm, snakes. okay just people name snakes so yeah it's you know, solid snakes the original video game tough guy yeah think about okay. jake the snake roberts Ooh, that's a good jake one. The snake WWF? do i
0: remember jake the? S- of course i do <laughs> i DDT, knew you damien yeah. <laughs> was the name of his snake
1: yeah oh wow you even know the name of his snake okay Heck we'll yeah. put damien on the list then too <laughs> what about from the simpsons what about snake from the simpsons right accidentally <laughs> fell onto a bullet one time <laughs> this guy's <laughs> tough as nails uh, what about kurt russell's character in escape from new york I think now his name was see snake.
0: i knew you were going that way you can't go that way Why? metal gear snake is basically a complete copy of him that's almost that's the true. same character
1: that's true that's a good all right, point all right. yeah i haven't thought of that but i'm gonna go for kurt russell more because kurt russell's just a badass <laughs> in <every> movie. <laughs> i love kurt russell and then the last one you'll like too but cobra kai right it's not mm. just one person it's a bunch of Badass teenagers in a washed up 80s, dude. Man, so yeah, Kirby Kai's
0: pretty badass. I'll give you that one.
1: Team Snake's looking pretty strong. Here's what Team Chicken has to offer we got Foghorn Leghorn, classic Looney Tunes, Saturday mm, morning, okay. not that scary. Yeah, they got that chicken from Family Guy that fights Peter Griffin all over the place. Dangerous, right? dangerous, unstoppable, unrelenting, pretty tough, but also yeah. can't beat Peter Griffin. So, <laughs> how tough is he, really? Yeah, I guess you got the chicken from uh, Astro Chicken in Space Quest. I know not, not a lot of people are going to get that one, but yeah, I, I got you. My, Face yeah. quest in there chicken little right famous for thinking the sky is falling like ugh, who cares right Moving he convinced
0: on. a lot of people that the sky was falling
1: that's true Same. and i couldn't even think of a fifth famous chicken so i'm sure some people in the comments will come up with something but the damage is done man team snake the snake kick wins that's that's what i say
0: i don't know i don't know <laughs> i mean i don't have a lot of good chickens to think up either the the family guy chicken came to mind for sure but uh yeah <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, in Toy Story, you had, didn't you have Chicky was tied to the other guy uh, in the new Toy Story 4? So I think there was oh, that. Yeah, um, that's right. Something they like were that. all right. They had that whole plan to team up and whoop that old lady's ass to take the keys <laughs> off of her. Um, yeah, right. So, I mean, you did have that, but you did have a partner tied to him. But that's what I'm saying. Chickens, they don't come by themselves. Chickens They're, are you know numbers, numbers. It's Number like when you percent. see that raid boss out in the open world, Derek, and you just mm-hmm. send 7,000 level ones out. Well, if we all hit it
1: for one point, it'll die. <laughs> the chicken zerg? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you go
0: StarCraft, like the chickens are the zerg,
1: for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. never know. Maybe you're right.
0: That's I don't know it. if we'll ever have an answer to this question. This may go down forever as one of those things. It's like the chicken or the egg, or is it the yeah, snake versus the chicken? chicken or chicken. the snake. Yeah, we'll revisit
1: it later. <laughs>
0: all right, well, that's yeah. it for VR News and Notes.
1: When the Pantheon community speaks, we listen. So let's dig into the forums and fan projects to see what the discussion's all about. Okay, so we've got a fun one for the community discussion this week, and I'm really looking forward to, uh, to going down this, uh, this uh, topic. It comes from the official forums at PantheonMMO.com, where it was posted by community member Tahoe. Um, so they asked, do you have a defining moment when it comes to MMOs? Like a moment when you thought, I love this game, or this is my new main, or even just a mic drop moment that uh, you remember. I think we've all had those moments, you know, if we're MMO fans. So I think this is a really relatable topic. So here's what uh, Tahoe said for his. Uh, They said, I had returned to EverQuest 2 when a friend from EQ1 had begun playing. I ended up choosing an Inquisitor, as I've always liked Clerics. At level 28, I finally opened up the AA specs and became a Battle Cleric, which was much more fun than just standing back throwing spells. My defining moment was when we finally got to go up to the deep into Sanctum of the Scaleborn. It was one of the rooms that if you pulled poorly, you could get ads. And we did get ads, lots of them. Then it became a blur between like reactives and heals um, back and forth. Somehow we lived and everyone credited my heals. It was the first time I would transitioned from like I was playing a healer, that mentality, to I am the healer. And that character was solidified as my main. So that was that was Tahoe's uh, defining moment, and it's a good sort of sets the stage for uh, what the other uh, folks had to say here. We'll go through them. So Mordecai had kept it short and sweet. Just said pretty much the first time I played a request in 1999, seeing other strangers being helped and helping others. That's when I was hooked. I love what he says here. He says it wasn't a scripted game anymore. Mm. That really is just like a you know exactly hits the, the nail on the head if you ask me um fancy said i played rift when it first came out i would just gotten enough hit in dungeon gear to go on a raid when my parents killed and i was outperforming the other healers almost immediately one weekend, we get to the raid boss that we hadn't been able to defeat yet i was the last healer left with two dps's trying to burn the boss down before the bombs went off there was nowhere to move and i stayed alive, alive long enough to top the two dps's off and we killed the boss with one person left standing Then I played Rift on and off for a couple of years, and there are plenty of more stories just like that. So Rift, it's nice to see somebody, you know, some of the uh, other games that we don't talk about all the time mentioned, and Rift is one of them. Unicron said, my defining moment was loading into Ultima Online for the first time. Seeing someone run around town with a tamed greater dragon. (laughs) Seeing that and knowing it was something I could eventually do got me hooked right from the start i think that's a great point you know it's like we've talked about before you know when you see that person who's got the epic piece of equipment or just something that you know that is really like down the road you could eventually get i like that too
0: yeah the item like seeing a cool item like i remember lambent armor oh
1: mm-hmm. man it yeah. made me make seeing a yeah <laughs> yeah seeing somebody with a Team greeter dragon would definitely do that for me too. <laughs> yeah um valhalla <clears throat> said eventually stepping out of kino's hills from surefall glade and seeing two guards a campfire a skeleton further away and a pathway that led to kino somewhere i didn't know about yet adventure freedom to explore uh i was and still am amazed these decades later so jothany said this one's okay and i'm going to preface it by saying this one's a bit longer but bear with me here because it's a good story so jothany says my first mmo was asheron's call joining a guild involves swearing allegiance to one particular player they became your patron, and you became their vassal. Patrons were expected to mentor vassals who were new to the game and benefited from receiving a trickle or a little bonus XP equal to a small percentage of what the vassal earned. I had no friends in Asheron's Call when I started, but soon made one and became the vassal. Many months later, due to my having much more time to play than my patron, I outleveled him. It wasn't terribly uncommon in the game, but it was a big accomplishment for me and my first defining moment in gaming. Then a year or two later, he had left AC for other games, and I expanded to playing characters on a PVP server in addition to the ones I'd started originally. One day, I met a newbie on the PVP server who turned out to be my old patron. He had decided to come back to AC and chosen to play PVP this time around. When he saw me, we happily reunited, and he joined my guild as my vassal. And <laughs> the circle was complete, and thus I had my second defining moment. That's really it's cool. a pretty Yeah, it's a pretty cool story. Uh, Gloth he um he recalls his early levels in EQ, especially uh, around Freeport. He says, "I wandered the city trying to find the bank and ended up finding the docks instead. A boat actually moved up to the dock, and I took it. I was amazed at this little detail. Then, when I drowned on the other side, because it took me longer to load in than it took the boat to move and <laughs> move me to drown, I was mad, but I was also intrigued that you could actually lose your stuff. It made the work I had done feel more meaningful, and thus I was hooked." but I was also scared, hopeful, mad, and intrigued at the same time. No other game has made me uh, think that much just by doing a short distance, by going a short distance from one place to another. That's so, so. funny. Mm-hmm. I've had that happen a m- tons of times when the boat <laughs> moved past faster than I could load in. Um, Jobson says, my favorite moment is back in EverQuest 2. I was playing a monk since shortly after launch. And I'm going to kind of paraphrase what Jobson said here, but basically he talks about he wasn't he wasn't getting accepted into any guilds because um, being a monk wasn't really needed at least not as much as like an enchanter so he sort of toyed with the idea of abandoning the monk and creating an enchanter just to sort of get into a, a guild but then during a raid he talks about the true power of a monk's ability being revealed he says in that moment i knew how to break the game in unimaginable ways i knew how to reset zones spawns reset fights get anywhere climb anything I knew the ins and outs of my class to agree that only a no lifer could. And I couldn't (laughs) give that up and play the meta. I was a monk.
0: (laughs) I love that. I love that so much.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Being, uh, finding that special uh, ability that just makes you love that class. Right. Love it. The last one is uh, from Chroma. And they said, this is an easy one. I avoided buying EQ for quite a while, but eventually curiosity got the best of me. I created my first tune and I was running around in the common lands, ran into a little hut and closed the door. When I opened the door, I saw another player run by with a giant spider chasing them. I freaked out and I closed the door right away. <laughs> that was it. I was hooked. I immediately called my brother, told him, and he went out and bought it the same day. And I played from 2000 to 2007. 2007 made a lot of incredible friends and fond memories. That's funny. That's pretty funny. Yeah, there just a simple huge little thing.
0: Spiders in EverQuest.
1: Yeah, especially in Common Lands, man. I remember those those giant <laughs> yeah. spiders really well. Yeah, big furry suckers. Oh man. So for me, <clears throat> it's going to be tough to top some of those moments. And I I relate to a lot of that stuff. But, um, for me, the defining moment was when I went, uh, it was in EverQuest. So stepping into East Commonlands lands for the first time. And the reason is, is that the trip from ever, uh, to East Commonlands lands for me was coming from West to East. And it was a very, um, like the zones along the way were very big. they were very quiet mostly. Um, you know, there weren't a lot of People. There were some in the Kuranas where we're populated, but then you get into like high pass and there wasn't a lot going on and, and Kithikor forest was pretty quiet during the daytime. So they weren't heavily populated. And then you stepped into East common lands and the chat just blew up, right? You wanted, you, you saw this people buying this, wanting to sell that, wanting to trade. It was like, all of a sudden you arrived in this place and it was like alive and it was different from other zones. It was just this beehive of activity. I remember seeing items listed that I'd never seen before. I'd never even heard of for ungodly amounts of money. I thought I'd probably (laughs) never see. Right. And just, you know, being a new, uh, relatively new player, I, I just got enough copper to buy my basics, like armor and a rusty sword or whatever. And then I saw somebody selling something for 10 plat and it blew my mind. When I got close enough to the tunnel, I saw these masses of players milling about. And I thought that is so cool. Right. So it's a memorable moment, but why is it like defining, you know, for me, it's because that's the essence of what a good MMO is and and people coming together and communicating and negotiating these outcomes, right? It wasn't like, it's not, it wasn't efficient. It wasn't automated and not at all. And But there was something special about that. And if it wasn't for like socializing, we weren't socializing for socializing sake. We we're actually still playing the game, right? We're trying to sell high for that piece of gear we got lucky on a roll on, trying to find a sweet deal for the final piece of armor that we need to finish the look or the set that we want, right? It took time and effort, and um, you know, as you know, sometimes people sat in East Commons for days, right? Right, just trying to squeeze out that one more plaid out of their their wares or whatever. But that's um, so like a defining moment for me, and that's I love that, and that I think that's what MMOs should should sort of be about. But um, I know uh, I'm, I'm sure you've got a good one here. What's what's your defining moment? It's
0: really funny because and we've said this a few times, I don't pre-read your notes because I kind of want to be able to react naturally. So I don't like prepare Mm -hmm. a story. So as this came up, I'm like, okay, well, I got to start thinking of one. And I've told stories (laughs) of like overcoming things as a guilt. I could tell those again. Those are memorable moments. And it's funny though, because I started to think like around what are some things like that just really stand out to me? And it's funny because you just brought up this whole thing of like defining moment about people coming together. And I have a bunch of those and I would agree. But the two that really stand out to me are individual like like proving myself moments, if that makes right. sense. Yeah. <clears throat> the first one was in blade and soul. That's a, that's one that came to my mind. There was this tower you could climb. It was really hard and you had to, it was a solo and you had to fight like multiple mobs. You had to be able to CC and like, it was really challenging. And the end boss was just a nightmare. It was perfect or you're dead. And it was a long fight and then um, you would beat that guy and there was another guy after him. And you're like, oh crap. And that was even harder. And I, you know, I played a summoner and the class was really strong. And again, I spent a ton of money. So I was, I was well beyond where I should <laughs> be in strength, but it was still massively hard. When I say you had to be perfect, like you wouldn't even believe how perfect. And it's a Twitch game. So it's not just standing there and being perfect it's perfect movement it's perfect timing it's cooldowns being right controlling because in that game you controlled your pet like I had to attack for my pet I had to do their abilities I had to push the buttons wow. to do it so I was controlling myself while controlling my pet It was just incredible experience and I was the first one in our guild to down it and I don't think many people downed it at all in our guild wow. and our guild was pretty good I'm wondering if Haya ever ended up fully beating it which is interesting hmm. to think Um, but it it was, it was crazy. The other one is interesting. So I ran, I was part of running a guild. I wasn't ever the leader, but I was co-leader type thing. and And we were kind of equal, but we, uh, me and a friend, a real life friend, um, led a guild in, wow, we were called the freelancers. It was the first guild we made. I think we made it at the end of vanilla. And, um, we, it's like the, we had it from then through BC through wrath of the Lich King. And uh, through Cataclysm, I think, was how long that guild lasts. So it was a pretty long-lasting guild. And um, I quit World of Warcraft at the end of Wrath of the Lich King. Um, I've had a few moments where I didn't play that game where I left. Um, And I left, and I, I did not buy Cataclysm. So everyone was playing and I was off doing the life thing. And uh, I ended up being like, you know what, I'm going to get it. Because we. I was working at GameStop and some one of the stores had a spare collector's edition. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> and those collector's editions for that game were sick. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to grab this collector's edition. I grab it. They're on um, the last raid is coming out. So I, I missed a majority of that expansion. Now, just because the last raid isn't out, there was still quite a bit of time to play still because you know there's the lull period after the raids are done and the game's kind of done before the next expansion came out back then. So what happened is I come in and I come into the guild and I'm just a regular member and it's awful. Awful. The other leader left. They were handed over to these two people who were like, Very casual, um, very like, oh, just let this person try. Like, there wasn't much organization. They were friendly, nice people, but could not lead. And and as soon as I logged in, I got just blasted with tells, please come take the guild back. Please, 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 please come take the guild back. So I'm like, Mm -hmm. well, what's going on here, right? So I come in and I find out that it's the last raids there and they can't even clear the first one. With gear that's better than the first raid, they couldn't get past the first raid boss of the first tier. And I think there were three tiers. Um, Mm -hmm. So the third tier is coming out. They have gear from dungeons and stuff that's better than the raid they're in. They're overpowered. They can't clear the first boss. That wasn't like us. And I'm like, okay. So I came in and I'm going to openly admit it was a pretty hostile takeover. Um, I told them we're not doing that raid. We're not doing the second raid. And we're going straight into the upcoming final raid, which was Deathwing. And everyone's like, how in the world are we gonna go fight that when we can't clear the first fight? I said, because the next two weeks, we're gonna learn how to play again. And we went on this tear of gearing up, getting people into the right stuff, teaching people how to play their classes. It was just this intense, like, retraining of the guild. Mm-hmm and uh they're like oh we're not gonna be able to do this we went in and we whooped the hell out of that last raid (laughs) and it was so satisfying because those other two people that were running the guild like were they hated me because i came in and the guild asked for me to take it over and i tried to be nice but they wouldn't be like they were just being really rude so i just went back at them but it was funny because they're like well this is how it should be this person should tank i'm like no i'm tanking i'm sorry um you know and all this stuff and Literally, they're like, well, you're not going to be able to do it anyway. And we smashed it. And it was just this <laughs> glorious moment of when the right people are there to help and push people to do their best. The enjoyment is amazing. And we we just, it was crazy. Like we skipped two tiers of raid content because they couldn't get the first one down and we cleared the last one. And that was a cool raid. It was The Deathwing raid was pretty cool. Um, But it was like this triumphant comeback. And then like after we cleared it and it all died down, I actually left again um, because I really wasn't into the whole panda thing at first. (laughs) So those were the two times that I had taken the most time off of. Wow. Until I quit after BFA. But uh, it was it was just an interesting moment to bring this group of people that I was so close with. I hadn't talked to in a while. Bring us all back together. Get us back on track. And do something that none of them thought we'd be able to do. And it was pretty cool.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's a great example of, of a defining moment, I think, because that's what, that's what, you know, for you, MMOs are, are about bringing people together to overcome insurmountable achievements, right. And, and over, you know, and, and leading people and, and bringing, to, realizing that you can do so much more as a group than you can alone. Right. And it's kind of funny, those two stories sort of put be- beside each other, because one is a story where you're alone and you're doing it by yourself. And the other is a story where you're doing the same thing, but with a, with a group of people that you took, you know, you took on. And I'm so it, not going to lie
0: either. Like there was an ego piece of, of both of those, right? Like oh, there, is, there is that sense of like, if I say I'm going to do it and I do it, I, you know, I'm not going to say I'm sitting there sticking my chest out, acting, acting a fool. But internally, I'm definitely sticking my chest out. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, well, we did you did it. it you you know? said yeah, I couldn't, and
0: I did, so in your face type of thing. You
1: know? <laughs> well, that's that's human nature, right? And if somebody yeah. tells you you can't do something, that just makes you want to do it all that much more, right? So, <laughs> so true. Yeah, that's great, great, great stuff. Um, okay, so from there, we will do introductions. We didn't have any last week, but we got three new ones, three uh, new members of the community this week over on the forums. Stopped by to introduce themselves, so that's good. First one is Severe, spelled with two S's. He says, I played EQ on Terras server and was in two guilds, Hands of God and the Arisen. Having since played many other MMOs like WoW, Guild Wars, Rift, and finally, uh, as a huge Tolkien geek that I am, I settled into Lord of the Rings Online, which I played pretty much until free-to-play crushed its soul. <laughs> later, got, <laughs> later caught on board with ESO, pretty much soloed to max, but we gave up because I uh, found the social group and group element of that game was not great in my experience. Having uh, been has been following Pantheon for a while now, thanks to Nathan Napalm and Bazgrim uh, not trying to write a book. So just wanted to say that I'm looking forward to grouping and exploring with Pantheon, Pantheon Rise of the Fallen and likely play a dwarf paladin, although who knows? I like his sign off, too. He says, sincerely, yet sarcastically, yours, severe. It's so a good nice. sign off. Welcome. Yeah. Welcome. Uh, next up is Piratesque. They say another diehard EQer uh, has arrived on the shores of Pantheon. Apart from all uh, my previous role-playing experience being DD and uh, Traveler Aftermath. I'm not sure what that is; just a and D uh, module, I guess. Uh, my first steps in the digital world was with EverQuest in 1999. Fell in love with the harsh conditions of it, and especially that you had to be careful not dying to reach uh, in hard to reach places. Been following Pantheon for a while, based on and based on recent decisions by the dev team, decided to hop on board. Uh, so he says, some people mistake me for being French since I use the name Piratesque, but I'm actually from Sweden, so well met. <laughs> and, and then the, uh, the last one is from somebody I was actually talking to on Discord this week um, about our mutual love of uh, playing guitar. We were reminiscing about learning to play Megadeth tunes back on uh, the guitar and on bass for me, but uh, Daniel is his name. He goes by uh, DB as well. He says, hey, how, hey all, how's it going? I haven't poked through the forums through a while, so it's nice to see some new info and some people. Played EverQuest a couple years on and off back around 2001, uh, though I got to dabble in uh, 99 on a friend's computer. It was a pretty special experience for me. Uh, the marriage of two passions, D&D and video game. I wasn't in the cards to keep up the MMO lifestyle. So there's like a 12 year plus break between uh, before I jumped into anything else. And he actually talks about one that I haven't heard brought up before. It's a mobile MMO called Order and Chaos. Actually, Order and Chaos 2 is the one that he cites. Um, He learned about playing, you know, what pay to win is and other new things (laughs) from that experience. Uh, So but had a wonderful time making friends and being an active officer in the guild. So that's kind of encouraging to hear. Um he says I'd like to engage more with the community and get to know some folks around here. Um total limbo about main character. Figure there's no rush though, so I uh, could have some time on his hands. Anyway, good to meet you Daniel aka DB. So yeah, welcome Daniel, welcome Piratesque, from before. And uh, that's it for this week's community discussions.
0: Let's talk content creator updates and new additions to Pantheon.plus. Right, Awesome. So let's talk about some of the stuff that's been added to Pantheon. Plus, we kind of skipped this section last week because we had a lot to talk about last week and we got, you know, minus all fired up and that's what happens. Um <laughs> So a little more chill week this week. I'm OK with that after two crazy rewinds. Um, Yeah, we needed a break. (laughs) Yeah, we did. Okay, so let's talk about the content added. Um, So Basgrim released a video discussing the tools that Pantheon team has been using to build the world. So these details were first highlighted in the stream with Torque, talking about how they'd be using Houdini to populate the world with textures and topography um, in a way that um, easily could complete or at least get zones to near completion quickly. So in this video, he'll talk more in depth on that and a couple other tools. So if you're excited by that developer stream and you kind of want to learn a little bit more, Bazgrim has you covered. So check that out. Um, he also put out a Bazflash that recapped the uh, letter that we talked about uh, above, and also a Bazflash for uh, Nephale being announced. So a couple couple quick videos, and then that one there. Um, Nathan continued work on his class videos this week, highlighting the Summoner class. He's done a really great job on these videos, adding his own flavor, charm, and discussing the class featured abilities. Um, Just kind of talking about how he thinks the classes would play. We've talked a few times about the fact that he's really knowledgeable about role-playing games and fantasy and MMOs. So just kind of nice to get his perspective on how like some of these things work here is excitement. I just just really like it. It's fun. Um, So the other thing that I really wanted to talk about is we've talked a little bit about articles, um, but I just wanted to give kind of a, uh, a quick update on it because I think it's been going really well. I'm really excited with what we've seen so far, and I'm excited to see where it goes from there. If you're listening to this right now and you like to write, get on there. Write something. But um, so as of right now, Tech Ninja posted an opinion article on the presence of languages within MMO. Uh, got a lot of good feedback on that. Uh, ben and I, who we talk about pretty often on this show, posted yep. a fan fiction conspiracy theory about King Avendeeer. Uh, questioning if his noble presentation is perhaps hiding something more sinister. I kind of really dig that. He's a great writer. Great
1: writer. So. Yeah, I love his stuff, man. <laughs> that that piece he posted is so fun to read. And he's got a whole backstory behind it. And if you want to know more, if you want to read more of Ben and I stuff, it's all over on the uh the forums at pantheonmemo.com as well. But uh having him post that on on Pantheon Plus on the articles is is fantastic. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um,
0: Drak and JJ both posted articles discussing how Brad McQuaid had impacted their lives,
1: you know, remembering
0: him on the unfortunate anniversary of his passing. But remembering is always good, you know, having the memories there and talking about the impact. So really cool personal stories from both of them. And uh, I posted an article. I don't know how often I'm going to write, to to be completely honest with you. (laughs) I, I write very conversationally. I write very script-like because of all the scripts I do for you know the rewind, or if I'm going to make a video, or if I'm just completely off script, just talking. You know, I'm a much more of a talker than I am of a writer. So I'll apologize first and foremost because if you read my article, it probably comes off more like I'm talking at you than writing in a uh, letter or an uh, article. <laughs>
1: Yeah. But you know, that, that's not the worst thing. That That's kind of <laughs> nice. It's kind of a change up and I like the way you write. I mean, yeah, I agree with you. It is more conversational, but it's, 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 it's different and uh, it's kind of nice to uh, see a different style of writing once in a while. So I like, and that article is fantastic. You, you should write more. Don't uh, uh, maybe don't stop see. doing articles. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, anyway, in the article, I kind of talked about the value of my Pantheon pledge and what it meant to be part of the Pantheon community. It's kind of tying those two things together. Um, I get a bit personal in this article. And, and if anyone knows me, I'm not afraid of being personal and talking about like, how we got here and stuff like that. But I think it's really important to kind of paint the picture of why I'm so energized by Pantheon and willing to kind of put my faith behind the project. So hopefully if you get a chance to read it, you do. And at least maybe if you're one of those people like, oh, Minus is just a white knight or Minus is just so positive, maybe maybe it'll give you a little idea as to why I'm so positive. You know, um, I would disagree mm-hmm. that I'm a white knight. I fight quite a few things that you guys are not very happy with. And if I was a white knight, I wouldn't do that. Um, so,
1: um,
0: but at least give you some insight into some of the stuff I've gone through and what this game means to me and the connections I've made. So, uh, pretty cool. So the only, the only
1: other thing I'll say on that, I just, because you mentioned, you know, being positive all the time. So people think that's a negative. That's not, you know, you're, you're very in touch with, with what you're doing and what you're, you know, what you're feeling. And that's, that's nothing to be, uh, nothing wrong with that. That's a something to be admirable. So keep writing. They're good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Um, but if you would like to submit an article, it's easy. Okay. Here's how you do it. It's simple. Just log into the site, click the hamburger menu. Uh, if you don't have an account, make one. It's quick. Just check for an email to come to verify your account. It might take a couple minutes. Um, and then click the button in the hamburger menu that says my articles. It's in that same menu. And it just gives you an opportunity to write it. You know, you can upload an image for your uh, thumbnail. You can title it, you can select tags for it, you can throw your article into an editor, you can edit the text, the colors, you can add, upload pictures into it. Just make sure you save it. And then once you're ready to submit it, you submit it off to us, and we'll reach out to you probably. Um, so you know, reach out to us on Discord or something like that, or Twitter when you write an article. Because once we approve it, it'll go live. So we want to make sure you know it's ready, and if you have any questions and stuff like that. But, um, you know, as long as it, you know, past uh, us just checking it out, making sure it's right for the site and it's not just full of craziness, um, you're probably going to (laughs) be good to go. So we're really excited to see what's coming. Like, I'm really pumped about, you know, this burst of articles we've had already. I mean, keep in mind, this just debuted on the 31st of October and there were some bugs we're working out still and there's probably going to be some more, but it's been really cool and it's really just, it's adding so much more community to the site because, not everyone has time to produce videos and stuff. It's way more complicated, and and I think that articles are just as important, just as entertaining. And I think there's a crowd that likes them even more than videos. So, you know, if you're a community member who wants to be a part and share stories and share your opinions, uh, I think it's a great tool, and we really hope you uh, check it out. So,
1: definitely, sit back and relax. It's time for the lore you know. Okay, so this week we ask, what is the Dragon Accord? On its face, the Dragon Accord is a document, ostensibly created by the dragons which used to inhabit Terminus. It's written in the language of Drac Elrin, one of several dragon tongues, but the most elusive of them all. The Lord described it as a fortified speech overburdened with enchantment, and a language of unparalleled arcane encryption, which was used by the Dragon King himself. But as we learned from the keepings of Castague, it's imbued with such magic that can actually transform itself into various configurations in an attempt to befuddle any attempts to copy it. And it's also impervious to damage. So that's to say it doesn't behave as a written document should. But what do we know of the purpose of the Dragon Accord? What does it serve? What purpose does it serve? The question is, this question is the substance of Narian Castague's venture into the, uh, into the frost regions where Talnarsis, the snow dragon, lives. And the Lord tells us that when he asked for assistance, Tal suggests the Dragon Accord is the recording of the reigns of his kind, or a collection of speeches, or even still a fantastical story. But challenges this. This is what he says. He says, the parchment we have, or I have, appears to be a copy of an ancient agreement. We've been calling it the Dragon Accord, and we believe it to explain something of why our peoples have come to inhabit Terminus. With this, Tal attempts to view the document. But then is prevented from doing so by Kazus, the dwarven high mortal that we talked about a couple weeks ago, and the encounter comes to a volatile end very quickly. Narian's questions remain unanswered. So, is the Dragon Accord a pact between dragonkind and the deities of the races of Terminus? Or is it something beyond, which was imposed upon the dragons? Will it ever be fully translated? If nothing else, the Dragon Accord holds one of the most fundamental secrets of Terminus and we don't know what that is yet. And that's the lore you know. And with that, it's time to check the mailbox.
0: Here's the mail it never fails it makes me want to wag my tail when it gets here i just yell mail. We're getting sued. All right, it's mailbox time. I love mailbox time and i'm so thankful that we are able to do this every week cuz if people didn't submit <laughs> questions we wouldn't be able to. So thank you guys. Yeah. It's always uh, the rewind channel and our discord's always lit up. And I love the fact that questions will be asked and people want to get into answering it in the community too. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So ch- yeah, check out that channel if you haven't yet. Join our discord. The links will be uh, in the uh, like the description below on our YouTube video. So put your questions yeah. in there. If we can't answer it, we'll try. I mean, and we got some new happen.
1: ones. Some new people asking questions this week too. It's exciting.
0: Yeah, I love it because the first one here, you set me up for failure. Uh, LaPoff, yes. LaPoof, LaPoof. <laughs> Lapoff, yeah. like Um So he, they ask, uh, "What do you feel will be the hardest, most challenging race class combination?" Hmm, that's interesting. I'll start. Um, sure. I, well, I think that having a an evil race is going to be the hardest for sure. Um, and I think that you know a class where you have to visit for spells often is probably harder. So, like for me, my mind goes to like ogre wizard. Because like I, I want to say Scar because they feel like they're going to be the most hated, so it's going to be tough to play them. But like mm-hmm. when you think of Scar, they're like Warriors, Rogue. Like they're the savage type things. I mean, maybe a Scar Monk like harkens back to the days of being an Ixar Monk that was kind of challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm going to go
1: Ogre Wizard. Good one. I, I kind of said the same thing. Um, because Wait, can they be ind- Wizards? Yes, I think so.
0: I or am I just thinking that because of P.A.?
1: so the yeah, maybe <laughs> alright i'm, gonna, I'm but, scratching
0: that i'm gonna go uh, scar monk
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i'll go with the safe bet i guess i said i said ogre druid but the reason and i know they can be ogres can definitely yeah, yeah. be druids um but i was looking at the racial passives and it's it's sort of easy to to look at the racial passives and find the ones that don't really fit with the class right mm-hmm. so ogre racial passives are more about attack rating and strength and stun resistance and not really the kind of thing you think, kind of thing you think would be good for a druid. You could also, instead of looking at like the the you know uh, racial passives and going in from that direction, you could look at it from a different direction and say, I, I might say gnome rogue would be my second choice. And the reason is, is that it's the only melee class available to gnomes, and I don't yeah. think a lot of people are going to play gnome rogues because they again, for the racial passives is one. Although they do get a dodge uh, advantage, so that's good for rogue class, but. There might be a limited pool of knowledge, like in the community, in terms of like what to do as a gnome rogue. How would you play that? So that might be something that might make it more uh, more challenging, at least to like in the initial like first while after launch kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I think the other one that came to mind for me, and this may seem weird to people, is, is the uh, dwarven enchanter. I find that to be a very odd class. Yeah. Um dwarves to me are a wisdom race, not an intelligence race. And I know that you can be both, but I always separate that. Like wisdom versus intelligence to me is always very different. Um and I feel like they're a wisdom class and i a race, and I think that the enchanters, this intelligence class, it feels odd to me. I don't know why. It just feels really odd.
1: Yeah. Somebody sometimes it's just about the feel of them, right? They just don't feel right together. Yeah. Kind of what you said too about
0: like the racials, like Dwarven yeah. racials don't really match up very well with the Enchanter. so It's true. The next one here is from Grave Robber. They said, being a gamer and knowing issues with MMORPGs to date, moving forward, how would you change blank to circumvent issues? <laughs> In doing so, keeping Pantheon on a straight and narrow path. You want to
1: start? Yeah, it's kind of a hard one because he doesn't really say specifically what the issues he's yeah. thinking of. He's sort of like assuming general knowledge of... Uh, but, I mean, there are some that are... I would say are generally as uh, known as the big issues, and one of those might be the idea that every m m o thinks they need to be the next big thing right we're oh, thinking about perfect. common issues, right, and that's that's how do we so how do we circumvent that right? How do we stop uh m m o like pantheon from Tronning to be everything to everyone' Because we don't want that. I think they've actually done a pretty good job of this not to fall into this trap, um so if we're talking about how to circumvent that, I think their strongest tool that they have is keeping those tenets front and center um, both internally internally and externally as well so on the website i know that they're there under the faq i think they should be more prominent i've said that before Mm -hmm. i think that draws a lot of people in and it keeps it keeps this game from going down that path of we're going to be the we're going to be uh the next big thing we're going to be a try and be something for everyone it doesn't have to be about the biggest it's just about staying true to itself so i would i would answer that question that way
0: I'm cheating. I'm using the answer that's in this question for the next question too, because I just realized it's tied together.
1: <laughs> okay. So I'm going to jump into sure. the next
0: question and I'll tie these both together and I'll answer first. So JJ asks, when leveling up and gearing is essential, one of the most memorable aspects of MMORPGs is the reason we use those levels and gears, boss fights. While an open world might be challenging, it's not impossible to pull off some cool stuff, but what are some boss mechanics environments you would like to see challenge players? So the reason I'm tying this together is because I think that known issues with MMORPGs is the social side. And Pantheon's doing a really good job with open worlds, open dungeons, open raids um, to have the world have its own social side. But one of the things I would challenge on, and it's been a huge topic lately. We saw Basgrim putting a ton of stuff out there. We talked about it in depth on Pantheon plus you this week um, was the fact that these boss fights, these epic raid boss fights, which maybe at launch there's like six of them. You know, it's, We're not talking yeah. about a mass majority of things here. But I think it's the right way to use instancing where instancing has been blown up to be just a crutch. I think that this is a way to very small segments of instancing can be used to pull its strengths out. Um, developmental strengths, challenge strengths while making it a toll to increase this aspect of the game while keeping everything else open world. So I'd really like to see instances on these epic fights because one of the things I want to see is changing environments, the ground falling apart, being teleported in the middle of the fight, mm-hmm. running through a portal to complete a side thing to get back to the boss fight to save your party, um, activating some kind of you know environmental things that shut down the boss or shut down his ads or you know, just like all this cool stuff you could do that I just don't personally think you can effectively do in an open world fight um so that's kind of a combination of the answers for the two there you like how i did that
1: mm-hmm. yeah that's a good yeah that's no, good i like how you <laughs> tied that together um it's funny just before we started recording tonight um i was playing guild wars too i've, I've started getting back into it it's mm. kind of getting its hooks back in me a little bit um and i just finished the boss i did the boss fight for the heart of thorns expansion Um, you know, and it was pretty cool. It didn't do anything groundbreaking. I didn't, but I did find myself thinking about this question as I was playing it. Um, and I think there's a lot of room for new and exciting design. Um, I don't, I think that what's overdone in boss mechanics is multiple mechanics at one time. Like, I get that that's a way of increasing complexity, but there doesn't need to be 16 fiery circles on the ground, 10 vortexes of dark energy in front of me, and then like something overhead. Like, it gets it gets too crazy it gets to be too much i think that there's a there's room to grow in in boss fight mechanics where it's like a singular mechanic that requires coordination amongst your group like you were talking about I, th- I think a lot of the things you were you were envisioning is sort of the same thing i'm saying just sort of maybe looking at it from a uh group um perspective in terms of because guild wars 2 like again i was playing this doing this by myself this is a single player experience at least this was i think you can't actually do this with a group but i was doing this on on my own Um, and I just felt that like it was overloading with things. And, um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a designer. If I really sat down and spent some time trying to design an encounter, I might be able to come up with something, but, um, I think it's about less is more maybe in this case is a good way of putting it.
0: And the final question here. Oh, this is fun. I get to answer these questions all with the same answer. And I legit mean (laughs) it. It's not being lazy. Uh, Daniel, uh, who we just, uh, introduced the community. Hi, Daniel. So, uh, AKA DB. Um, VR has stated their intentions to make Pantheon enjoyable for players who have a limited amount of time to invest. Is this a realistic goal for an MMORPG? What are some ways this could happen? Aside from some caravan ideas I've heard, um, I haven't heard much on this topic. Yeah. I mean, I'll say these are things that VR is very dedicated to. Um, it comes up a lot when Joppa talks to people in discord or on, you know, interviews. It's a very important aspect. And how do we do it? Well, the, bo- the raid boss fights have to be instance, and you have to be able to schedule with your guild to go play. If, if you can't schedule guild events because you have to wait and hope it's up, you kill the two to three hour time. It's dead. It's dead on arrival. The bat phone comes back. You can never schedule well. I mean, you can go to a dungeon and sit there and camp. You can do other things, but I think the heart and of like guild play is these challenging overcoming kind of what we've talked about quite a bit on this episode, like overcoming Mm -hmm. these large challenges. And I think that it has to be something you can schedule for. Um, I'm okay with open world dungeons. I'm okay with the raid itself being open world. I'm okay with open world bosses spawning randomly or on a timer, but I think there has to be things that you can schedule uh, travel together to and go try to accomplish now I'm not saying give any participation trophies out. Uh, make it hard make it something just because you get an opportunity to do something doesn't mean you don't get your face pounded into the ground. Um, but uh, <laughs> I think the opportunities do need to be there and I think that's where that small bit of instancing can really help this idea as well um, to just give a guild I-, I would rather die a thousand times and not ever be able to beat a boss than to say I never got a chance to even try.
1: So. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, it's funny. I think we have a very similar answer. Um, I didn't I didn't talk about the instancing aspect of it, but I, I, scheduling appears in in the what I have written down for my answer here too, is it's, it, it's just how we live these days. We don't go down to the basketball court and wait for a pickup game to break out you know, anymore. That's not how we do things. It, it, when you're over the age of like 30, 35, whatever, it's about organization and scheduling. And um, I think that is really the key. And I think VR was aware of that they've talked about like so daniel talked about the caravan idea now this was something that um, had been brought up a, a while ago the last dev roundtable that i heard that they mentioned the caravan concept they said it won't be in for launch it's not something that they're planning on having at launch um but they are talking about they have talked about dungeons with safe spots along the way right if you you your group starts in a dungeon there should be a spot you know anywhere to hour and a half, two hours in where you can safely camp with your group for the night and carry on your your journey the next night or whenever you want to continue. Yeah. You know, we actually
0: saw that in Amber Fate, right. When they climbed up yeah. and there was a little like camp of the two Goblin. characters. Yeah. And it was like fire there. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what I see in my mind too, when I talk about that. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it, it is about being organized and scheduling things. Um, you know, and, and like you said about the instancing pa- aspect, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent there with you there on yet, but we'll get there maybe some more discussion, but, um, that definitely is, you know, it definitely is something that plays into it. It's, it's one of the reasons why, you know, Pantheon needs to accommodate and needs to account for people not playing the way they used to. Like you said, the bat phone and all that kind of stuff. It's just not realistic anymore. And um, I think Daniel has a, has a good question about this. It's a, it's a really good question. We talked about it quite in depth on a, on a previous episode of the rewind as part of the community discussion there. And um, there's a lot of things to consider. So it's a good one. Awesome.
0: Well, that wraps up uh, the mailbox. And with that, it wraps up today's episode of The Rewind. Theric, awesome show. Thank you for not triggering me and setting me up to get angry (laughs) today. It was a pretty chill show today. I enjoyed it.
1: Uh, (laughs) I'll do my best. I'll always do my best to either trigger (laughs) you or not trigger you. There's no middle ground. It's either one or the other.
0: I'll accept that. (laughs) Always doing your best is a good thing. Uh, But as always, thank you to the community for those articles. Thank you to the community for the questions. And thank you to the community for always coming and hanging out with us for these live ones and checking out after the show, adding your comments, adding your feedback to some of these things we're talking about. It's a blast. We love it. Don't forget, if you want to listen to these shows on demand, you can check it out on YouTube. You can also download it, Spotify, iTunes. Um, Check it out. Listen while you're in your car, driving to work, whatever you want to do. Hopefully we can help a little bit get you through your day. Um, but uh, another great week, Theric. Thank you again, and thank you to the community. We're out.
1: Thanks, everybody. See you next week.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Pantheon Plus Rewind. Be sure to follow Minus and all Pantheon Plus related content on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube under the name Pantheon Plus. Also, be sure to follow Theric at Pantheon Theric on Twitter keep up to date on all Pantheon Rise of the Fallen information on www.pantheon.plus, the definitive source for all media of Pantheon. Until next time.